All right, welcome everyone. So today I was reading Matthew 5, and verse, sorry, not verse 11, verse 14. need my glasses. Your lives light up the world, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? Who would light a lamp and then hide it in in, in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and then they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. So I just want to encourage you guys tonight, if you don't feel like your light's shining, ask God tonight during worship to help your light shine brightly, and it's going to look different than someone else's. Um, But just let him come in tonight and just fill you so that as you're going throughout your week, that your light will shine brightly. And it might be in the way of just being kind to someone. It could be praying for someone. It's just going to look different for different circumstances. So why don't you guys stand tonight? So, Father, tonight we just press into you. God, we lay everything down at your feet tonight, God. God, we want our lights to shine brightly for you, Father, so that others will come to know you. God, just help us to press into you tonight, Father. God, we actually enter in tonight with hope and with expectation, Father. God, that you will change us, change us, that you'll shift the atmosphere in our lives, Father. God, we thank you. God, you're so worthy, and we give you all of our praise tonight. We worship you, Lamb of God. We worship you. Don't worry, church. We're going to go back into worship, but we're going to have a time of communion, and then we're going to go back in. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, you are the faithful witness. You are the firstborn from among the dead and the ruling king who rules over the kings of the earth. Praise you, God. Praise you, King Jesus. Now to the one who constantly loves us and has loosed us from our sins by his own blood, we declare that over everyone here tonight. He has loosed you from your sins by the power of his own blood. And to the one who has appointed us as a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion throughout the eternity of eternities. Amen. Behold, he appears within the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people of the earth will weep with sorrow because of him. And so it is to be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of and the end, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. God, we thank you 
for salvation. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the spirit of adoption who is living within us, who believe in you, who have received you. Tonight, God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Even now, as we prepare ourselves to take this meal, to, to feast upon your sacrifice in remembrance of what you have done, we worship you in it all. And we just say, Holy Spirit, come and rest on this observance. Rest on this meal that we're about to partake in, in Jesus' name. I'm going to go ahead and invite you to come up now. There's wine on my left, your right. There's grape juice on my right, your left. So go ahead and come up and get your communion elements. Just say this with me. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. There's a psalm where every other line is the response from the people of God saying, and his love endures forever. You'd think they would have been tired after about 20 times saying it. But we can never grow weary in declaring what is true. And the truth is, his love endures forever. And this sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me was a, was a statement of his unfailing love, his perfect love that endures forever, for all eternity. His love for you and me is so strong. It's unbreakable. It is unbreakable. We're going to just read a couple scriptures as we prepare to take each piece of this, this meal I was, felt like the Lord led me to John 10, verse 9. <clears throat> Jesus said this. He said, I am the gate, or I am the door, depending on which translation, ESV is the door. Most of them say either one, I guess. I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So tonight, as we hold this bread, this bread represents the body of Jesus, the broken body. And it is through him that we have access to come in and go out. Jesus' broken body on the cross for you and me, the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundations of the world. His, his broken body is the veil that was opened, the curtain that was opened up for you and I to step in to the throne room of God 
we can go in and we can come out. This isn't about salvation. This is access to the heavenly realm through his body on the cross. I got one other scripture about this. It says that he, God, has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two from top to bottom, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And right now we have a magnificent, he is magnificent, a magnificent high priest who welcomes us into the house of God. So because of that, we come closer to God and we approach him with an open heart, fully convinced that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. If you feel like there's anything, even a little inkling of something that will keep you at a distance from stepping into the presence of the Father right now, Jesus has taken care of it on the cross. His blood is everything and all that is needed. We don't bring anything to the table except for our surrender and our yes to what he did. So Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your broken body. It says our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity. And we have been freed from an accusing conscience. I just declare the blood of Jesus over every mind in this room right now. That Jesus, your blood cleanses our consciences. You set us free. You bring freedom and liberty into our thinking and into our understanding of where we stand with you right now. In the last part that I want to read from that, it says, we have been freed from an accusing conscience. So right now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So Lord, we thank you for your broken body. We take this bread tonight, this matzah, which has holes pierced in it and stripes that have been baked onto it, reminding us of the nail holes in your hands and the stripes that you bore on your back, all for us. You had our names engraved, carved into your hand when those nails went in. You did it for me. You did it for every person in this room. And so we, we celebrate what you did for us. We thank you for it. We honor you, King Jesus. We eat this bread tonight. We consume this because we want more of you. We want to step into the realm of heaven and worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Jesus. So just hold the cup. This cup represents the blood of Jesus. <clears throat> I'm going to read something that I know a while back, David, you had read this during communion. These are some words that may feel or, or sound difficult to understand, but just open your heart to the Lord. He said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. This is, this is difficult. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. And if I don't, I don't have life. But if I do, then your life remains in me. Jesus said, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. So Jesus, we drink this blood, this cup that represents the atoning sacrificial blood of the Lamb of God, the spotless, pure Lamb, the Lamb of God whose blood takes away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. I gladly drink this cup because your words to me and this sacrifice to me is spirit and truth and life and I receive your atoning sacrifice, and I drink this into my body because I desire more of you, that you would come into every person right now as we drink this cup, and you would fill our bodies with life and health and joy and your glorious presence. Come and rule and reign in us, Jesus. Let's go back into worship. If you would stand. Yes, Lord, we just lift up your name in this house. We lift up your name in our lives, Lord. And we bless your name in this city. You are blessed in this house. You are blessed in this city. Lord, I thank you for your love in this city, Lord. Lord, we thank you that your blood still speaks today.
Lord, I just thank you that your hope is here, that we can rest in you, we can put our trust in you, and we can put our mind at ease. And I'm just hearing the Lord, any striving, any restlessness, you can trust in him tonight. The Lord is your shepherd and you shall not want. You shall want for nothing. So Lord, we just thank you that we get to come into your presence just as we are. All of our questions, all those things that we have, Lord God, that you have called us to carry, all of our passions, all of our ambitions, Lord. We get to just lay those down at your feet. And we get to rest in you. So I just break off any anxiety and any fear right now in Jesus' name. We just release the shalom of heaven that you have permission to rest. You have permission to hear from the Lord on the next steps, what you need to do next. You have permission to wait and hear from the Lord. And as we wait on the Lord, he's renewing us for this next season that he's calling us into. So Lord, I just thank you for the restoration of sleep. Any, any tossing and turning, Lord, in this room right now? I just break that off right now in Jesus' name. Any tormenting spirits, any nightmares, any depression, any spirit of death or suicide, just break that off right now in Jesus' name. You're not lazy. We trust that God has you in his timing and in his rest. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. You are such a good father. Thank you, Jesus, for walking among us. You're not far off. And you paid the ultimate price. You atoned for our sins. And now we are called righteous by your blood. Thank you, Lord. I want to take a minute to encourage us just to keep pressing into this state of worship. And just remember that each of us are at a different place in life. We're all at different stages of maturity in our understanding of Christ. But we are all one body. 
in Christ. So think about that for a minute. He sent his son 2,000 years ago, died on the cross, washed us from our sins, and liberated us. And we are free. You're free and you're restored back to the Father. And all we have to do is believe in our hearts that he died on the cross for us and rose again. And we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He made it that easy. And all we have to do is believe it. And if for anybody who might be held back right now, they'll be like, oh, I don't know, I, there's some things I messed up. Yeah, well, I mess up all the time. I probably messed up today. You need to take that unbelief and kick it to the curb. Tell that unbelief to go. Tell yourself, unbelief, go now in Jesus' name. Okay? Because you are righteous by the blood of Jesus. We are righteous by the blood of Jesus, and we have access to the Father. You know, I've read accounts of people who were imprisoned in bondage, and they were prisoners for a very long time. And then when they were liberated, they had no idea that they were even free. They had no idea. They were just in such a state of helplessness and, like, utter weakness that they didn't even know what was happening. And it took them a little while to realize that they're free. And I feel like tonight, maybe some, maybe, maybe in an area of our life or something, we don't realize that we're free. But we are free, guys. We are free. And it's not anything that we did. It's by the blood of Jesus that we just, we just took. His life is in us. We are free. So... This next thing I'm going to say might start making sense to you because we're in, we're, in, we're in worship. And even right now, in the spirit realm, it's like we're in a stadium filled with the believers who believe in Jesus Christ, their Lord, who saved them. And we're in the stadium, and we're praising and worshiping God. And I'm telling you, it's a ruckus. It's belligerent. Oh, my gosh, yeah! Yes! He did it! Oh my goodness, he paid it all! He crushed Satan under his feet. He's still putting authorities under his feet, even as we speak right now. Woo! Yeah! Right? It's okay, we can get belligerent together. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome because of what he's done and what he's doing right now. His power is in the room right now. Believe it. And if you're not believing it, tell, tell that unbelief to go. Because he created all of this. He created me, and he created you, and he created each of every one of us. And he wants to be with us, and he wants us to prosper, and he wants us to be in health. And he, we're free. We've been redeemed. He sprinkled the blood on our hearts. That's a symbol of atonement. 
it means death passes over us. God looks on us. He doesn't see the, the, the sin that's paid for. He sees the righteousness of Jesus. Woo! I'll try not to do that in the mic. This is awesome. Yes, we're in the stadium. We're cheering, we're cheering each other on. We're cheering anybody who doesn't know this on because we know the truth. We're good, guys. We are good. Of course there's weird things and issues we got to deal with and contend with and steward it day to day. Of course there's problems. But in the end, it's we're good to go. And we're to, we don't have to rely on ourselves. We can rely on him. We're, he's trustworthy. He's powerful. He heals. He breaks off. He liberates. He gives us vision. He gives us wisdom. He gives us everything we need day to day, minute to minute. Is that not something worth celebrating? I mean, guys, I feel like we're in a stadium like, like, we're, you know, it's look maybe a little bit sparse here in the physical realm, but in the spiritual, it's like we're shoulder to shoulder, and we're like, yes, woo, yeah, yes, give him the glory. Come on, give him the glory. Let's give him the glory. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's get belligerent. I'm serious. Woo! Toss your chair. I don't care. Do something. I just. Is he not worth it? Right? Is he not worth it? He is worth the glory. It's totally worth it. Super worth it. You're super worth it. You're super, super, super worth it. If I can say words. And guys, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, he sent to us as a gift. And he's here now in the room. And so, Holy Spirit, we just give you all the glory. Right now, in this moment, we give you the glory. We give you our all, our best, our belligerent, crazy, ridiculous worship, praise, and glory. Because you're awesome. You're fantastic. You're amazing. You're incredible. You're wild. Who says that? Wild. We got a wild Jesus. I don't know if he shakes his hair like that. Maybe he does. You know what I'm saying? God, thank you, Jesus. You're a wild, amazing, adventurous God. There is no lack in you. There is no lack of wisdom. We can come to you for all our problems. Even when, with our doubts, even with our, our issues, we can come to you for everything. We can talk to you about anything. And we just thank you, Lord, that you're taking us from glory to glory. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the door. And you were showing me that. He was showing me it was like door after door after door after door. And we were just going through all these doors. Every door is Jesus. We just keep going through the door of Jesus. And it's like we're going from glory to glory, from maturity to maturity, 
to understanding to understanding to victory to victory to incredibleness to incredibleness yes thank you lord you are holy you are magnificent we give you the praise and the worship and the honor We say, come, Holy Spirit, reign in us. Bring your holy fire. Burn away anything that is not of you, that is not eternal. Raise us up in you. Thank you that you have seated us on the throne in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for regaining the authority and handing it back to us and reigning, letting us reign with you in your authority. We're so thankful. We're thankful for your peace and your shalom your goodness, your wisdom, your love, your love that repairs us and restores us. Thank you, Father. We're looking forward to what you do next, Lord. We're looking forward, even now in this moment, we look forward to what you're going to do next, what you're going to speak to us, what you're going to break off. We can't wait to see it. We're so excited. We are hungry for more of you. We're hungry for your word. We're hungry for your living water. We are hungry for your spirit, your Holy Spirit. We're hungry for your fire. Pour out your river, Lord. Pour out your living waters upon us. Anoint us, Lord, to speak the truth, to shine like a light on a hill. We glorify you, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you guys, but I was feeling like when David started I'm just going, going for it. I felt like I saw the father in the stadium get on the edge of his seat just to see what you were going to say. I feel, like, I feel like the father does that over and over and over in our lives. He's, he's watching, he's looking, he's observing, he's celebrating. Zephaniah 3.16, I believe is the correct address. It says, the Lord rejoices over you with singing. He rejoices over you with joy. I know that's hard to believe because you know who you are. I know who I am. And we're like, yeah, I know, you know, not perfect. Why would you rejoice over me, God? But he doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. 
He sees us from beginning to end. He sees you from the time he was fixing you together, knitting you with a little knitting hook, crocheting you inside of your mother's womb till the time you took your first breath and cried. All the way through life, through every up and down, every celeb, we sang it tonight. Through the highs, through the lows, through the victories, through the defeats, through it all, he is a good, good father who is cheering us on from beginning to end. And he's waiting at the finish line to receive us, to receive you into his eternal kingdom where you will feast on his joyful presence forever. Lord, we believe, help my unbelief. Wow. Doing good, guys. You guys are doing good. I've been on a little bit of a journey um, last 30 years. <laughs> been on a little bit of a journey recently just in some things that God's stirring. And, you know, last couple of times, I know David uh, got, a, got a word in there. He was able to squeeze one in. I need you to get some more word in there, too. And Kara and Tammy. And, um, I just feel like God, you know, I, I was born for the supernatural. I was not saved for a, I almost said freaking, yeah, freaky. You know, like I was not born for a freaky, born, bored, eternal life, eternal. <laughs> now my words are really getting messed up. Let me restate that. I was not born for a boring Christian life, okay? It was boring Christianity that spurred me on my teenage years. No, no wrong on my parents' part. They did their part. They took us to, as kids to church. They got us baptized in water on the forehead, sprinkled, you know. But then I went through confirmation. I learned the apostles' creeds. I memorized those things through, for confirmation. I learned about the triune God, that I believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended into heaven from where he shall judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. You may go home now. <laughs> that I learned in boring Christianity. How much more in fiery Christianity, where the presence of God is our daily feast. I was born for the supernatural. I was born and saved to know him. As a baby Christian, one of those scriptures that just freaked me out was when Jesus said, there will be many on that day who will say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't want to be one who doesn't really know the Lord. I want to know him as he knows me. I want to set my, my course of my life on pursuit of the more of God because there is so much more. If you're bored with your current Christian experience, let me just tell you right now, there is more. Maybe I'm not fixing a big enough more feast, you know, a feast of the more of the Lord here for you to get filled. Maybe you need to 
go to BSSM and go to school for a year and get the more. Maybe you need to go to YWAM and do missions for a year. Maybe you need to go, I don't know, there's places you can go. I'm just saying, if, if you're bored, go after it. Don't let your hunger ever die out. Don't let your thirst ever get quenched by lesser things. In fact, we read this last week. I'm going to do a little bit of a recap. I actually didn't realize we're right at the finish line of the message last week. It looked like there was about 10 more slides, and we were almost done. So we're going to get to the finish line quickly because I'm just going to recap some of the notes, and I removed about four slides of scriptures. But I was stirred by this the other last week by this Vlad Savchuk, who's a pastor in... I don't know how to pronounce his name the right way. He's Ukrainian or Russian or something like that. He's a powerful anointed preacher, and he's over in the Tri-Cities area. And I follow him on Twitter and, and Facebook and stuff, and I just get his emails, and he's just got some nice little tidbits of truth that kind of get my attention. They're just like little, little like fresh baked bread wave in front of your nose, and you're like, that's good. So, you know, he said this in a, in a, post, if you lack purpose, you will be distracted by pleasures. So assess your life. I assess mine, you assess yours. We don't need to, you know, be other assessors, you know, do your own. God will work with you and he'll work with others. We don't need to be, you know, the sniffer outers of other people. And at the same time, I just want to clarify, don't be a navel gazer where you're only always stuck in looking at yourself. Because Really, the goal is to fix your eyes on Jesus. But it's when you look on Jesus, when you fix your face towards his face, then you know there's an interaction. He will, he will speak to you about the things in your life that he wants to speak into. So anyway, in the scripture in Proverbs, and I think you mentioned it tonight, um, this proverb someone did, uh, Proverbs uh, 29, maybe it was David, <clears throat> 29, 18, where there's no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. You know, we have to have vision for more than just getting through the week, getting through the month, getting through the year. And, and it, is, it is good that we all have goals and things that we know God has placed in our hearts to accomplish. But, but there's more than just this, this earthly level of, of vision. There is a higher level of vision. There is a, a course trajectory, is that the right word? I need someone smart in the room. <laughs> There's a trajectory, a course, a focus for you and I that God has called us to. And someone said it tonight, yeah, you know, you can believe in Jesus and be saved. And that is really all that it takes and you're going to heaven. But there's an invitation for more. You know, we believe in Jesus. I love it. Steve Backlund says this a lot. We believe in Jesus to get saved, but we believe like Jesus to experience transformation. And if you, aren't, if you aren't experiencing transformation, you're most likely going to get bored with baby Christianity because baby Christianity is good for a year or two. And then you're just like, I can't eat this baby food anymore. I'm tired of my diapers being dirty all the time. I need to learn how to use the big boy potty. I need to, I need, as a woman would say, I need to put on my big girl pants. I need to learn how to walk as a mature son or daughter. I need to grow in obedience because the Lord, he's a good father and a good father will discipline his sons and daughters. 
it's funny, you know, we'll get to it in some of these notes here. Um, but, but the Spirit of God who lives inside of us that God has given us, Holy Spirit, He has enabled you, and He's the Spirit of adoption. He's the Spirit of Jesus, but He's the Spirit of adoption and sonship or daughtership, if you are offended by that, girls. He's, a, he's the Spirit of sonship. And He enables us to call out to God, Abba, Father. I never thought about it before that that's actually two different words that were used there. Abba, Greek, I guess. I didn't even look to see which language it's, it's in. It might be Aramaic or Greek. But Abba means daddy. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's an intimate communication to, you are my dad. You are the one who protects me, who covers me, who speaks into my life and loves on me and cheers me on and encourages me and picks me up when I fall down. And he's also father, Peder. I say it like a Mexican, Peder, Pedro. Padre, actually, it would be Padre. P-A-D-E-R, that's probably the Greek. Father, in that word, it means the same thing. It's still a dad, or, you know, the, the one who fathers you, but it's, it has a little bit more of that disciplinary backbone to it. He's a good father who disciplines. This is in one of the books of the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. It's in there somewhere about what, you know, what, who of us who have earthly fathers that didn't discipline us? How much more will our Father? It's in Hebrews, actually. I think it's Hebrews uh, 10, 11, 12, right in there somewhere. But, but it says to, to endure earthly hardships as discipline because God treats us as sons and daughters, and he disciplines those he loves. And if we never get discipline, if we don't, and this doesn't mean a good whacking on the backside. This just means he's allowing you to fall down on your face. He will pick you up, but he's allowing you to go through things to teach you so that you will learn how to avoid making certain decisions that aren't good for you. He's, he's so much more wise than an earthly father. I'll just say that. Right, son? Son, son, daughter, daughter, daughter. By the way, I just got to say, I just got to say tonight, this one thing that makes my heart really happy is to have all of my kids in one room. I love it at the holidays, and it, it's just special. You know, if you know, if you've known me, if you've known Tammy and I, our our offspring, our fabulous five are like the highlight of our life. Like the, the number one ministry God gave us was to raise up sons and daughters who love the Lord and shine in the land. You stole that. That was my thunder. And then, and then it doesn't end there. Then they, they marry other sons and daughters who become ours. So not only did I start with five beautiful children who love Jesus, now I've got a sixth child. Sixth. So anyway, it's good to have all six of my kids here. Oh, Tammy's got a word. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Almost said something else. Wow. Okay, I can edit wow. Which brings me to this point where it says, where there is no clear prophetic vision, people quickly wander astray. We don't want just prophetic vision for tomorrow or this next week or next week, but we want it for our children and our children's children and their children. Like, we need to really stretch ourselves and, like, we aren't going to see 
what's going to get fully fulfilled in this church. It's going to be our kids and their kids. Like, we want to look 100 years out, as crazy as that might seem. Like, what are we doing now? What choices are we making now that will impact the future? So, and that can be relationships, money, our walk with the Lord, our callings. So we need to be looking like out in the horizon. What's this gonna look like 20, 30, 40 years from now? How's this gonna carry on? <clears throat> Whatever it is that you're doing. I didn't get to hear all of what Bill preached this morning, but he was talking about discipleship and he said, many people come into the kingdom and experience the power of God and their lives get transformed, but they never learn to do relationships. They never grow in the horizontal. And you mentioned, you know, it's, you know, relationships, finances, all that stuff. Relationships, how we relate to one another is, is vital because God places a, a high value on unity. Unity amongst the brethren, the brethren, the brothers and sisters. Just like me as a father placed a big value on my kids all getting along and anytime they start to you know, kind of be a little bit too crass with one another or, or, you know, abusive or whatever. And the way they, whatever, now I won't go into any details. It's, it's my job as a father and her job as a mom to speak into it with love and encouragement to remind one another, hey, we all have heart connections that, you know, this, we all have these invisible, like, fishing lines, if you want to look at it that way. There's these invis invisible Invisalign. It's an Invisalign connection. This invisible line that connects us to one another. And when we hurt one another's feelings and don't mend it, it's like a disconnect and a, and a breaking. And God is happy when they're all connected together. In fact, Ephesians 4, I should just skip on from this or we'll never get through it. Maybe it'll be the next one. No, it's not. But Ephesians 4 talks about how uh, the, the fivefold ministry was given to the body of Christ to train us and equip us to do ministry. And then it says this word, until. Just say until. Until we all reach unity in the faith to the stature of full manhood. I get something like that. I always get the different translations. To, the, to become the fullness of Christ. In other words, to become mature. So unity in the faith and maturity. There's something about embracing unity amongst ourselves that, that pulls us into maturity. It really, honestly, it is immaturity when we can't forgive one another. Tammy does something to tick me off and I can't get over it and I can't get over it. She's probably gotten over it hours ago and I'm, I might still be in another room harvesting. <laughs> that woman that you placed here in the garden with me? Now, I don't say things like that. Wink, wink. <laughs> it's up to me. I don't need to wait for her to ask to forgive me. You don't need for someone to wait. You don't need to wait for someone, excuse me. You don't need to wait for the other person to come and ask for forgiveness before you forgive them. In fact, they don't have to ask at all. You can forgive somebody from your heart without ever talking to them. You can go before the Father, before Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, Father God, I choose to forgive them. Is there a lie that I'm believing about them? Help me see the truth. Help me see what you see in them. Help me recognize the value you place on them. 
Give me eyes to see them, him or her, the way you see them. In exchange with the Lord, trade him that bitterness because it's poison. We got to get rid of all the gunk and the poison, the bitterness, and be free. Freedom. Freedom. Okay. Here's a question I want you guys to take home tonight. Write it down. Type it on your phone. No one's taking it. (laughs) Carl looked around. Are you writing it? Okay, I'm not either. You know, I'm just kidding. We don't take notes in this church. I mean, if you really want to take a picture of this slide, you can. Who are you? We talked a lot about this last week. I'm not going to go into depth about it. But who are you? Who or what do you see yourself as? Who is God to you? What are your core beliefs about him? These are important questions because... You know, if we wrap ourselves up, our identity up in who we are, what, what our job is, or our current uh, function in our family unit, or whatever, those things change. Relationships change, jobs change, ministries change. I just spoke with a guy, so I'll just, a side note, this was sweet. Okay, uh, right up the street here, there's a, a business called something. They, they, they go into your home. They have a bunch of little cars and a bunch of little nurses' aides, and they go into people's homes. It's called Home something. Home already. I don't know. Home alone. It's called uh, Home Instead. Anyway, the guy that runs it's a Christian. He lives in Gig Harbor. He's really friendly with me. And he's like, hey, because they had flooding when the pipes broke. All the pipes froze around our city a couple weeks ago, and so their, their place got flooded out, man. They got their walls torn up about a foot off the floor. It was a mess. And he's like, yeah, we're getting through it. Be grateful. And I said, he's like, I want to introduce you to my son-in-law. And out comes this giant about this tall. His name is Caleb. He's like, ah, this is is your son. And he's like, your son-in-law. I was like, okay. I pressed the point, you know. But I I, I like the whole thing of removing the in-law if I like you. If I don't like my in-laws, then I'll just call them my in-laws. I'll just remind myself it's just in-law. No, I, I'm joking. I'm joking. <clears throat> yes, my kids are going to hold me to that one. So Caleb, Caleb is now the office manager for Home Instead. And he's, his, his father-in-law said, yeah, he uh, was in full-time ministry so he gave me just a snippet. So he told me his background briefly, and immediately I began to just see the heart of God all over him. I was like, dude, you've got leadership all over you. Like, I, I could almost see stamps. Leadership, 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 leadership. And I don't even remember what else. It wasn't anything else profound that I had to say, but I was like, it's good to meet you. And I shook his hand. Went back to my little postal uh, Volks, not Volkswagen, my new Mercedes-Benz postal wagon. And uh, I started driving in the parking lot to do a loop out. And then I'm like, I need to go talk to him real quick. I need to talk to him about how he sees himself. I felt stirred. I need to quickly get there if, if, it's, if, he'll, if he'll let me, if his dad will, will let me talk to him. So I did. I was like, hey, um, he, the, the father-in-law came out. And I was like, would it be okay just to say something really quick to Caleb? What a name, too. Big, good Bible name. So I just approached him and I said, hey, I, I understand that, you know, you were in ministry and, 
he's like, yeah, youth ministry and then leading uh, different various ways of pulpit church ministry. He said, yeah, ever since I graduated from college, that's all I've known. I said, I feel like God wants you to know that who you are is not based on your ministry. Your identity is not what you did in that season, but that he sees you as a son. Anyway, I don't remember all that I said, but his eyes were just like, he was like, he was like locked. It almost looked like he was, you know, getting touched, which I think he was, but he's a pretty strong dude, so he wasn't going to let that happen. Anyway, we got to know who we are. Without prophetic vision, without seeing yourself the way God sees you, you're going to be frustrated or sad or disappointed because you're not doing what you thought you were supposed to be doing at that time in life or this time in life or whatever, fill in the blanks. Whatever it was that you thought should be, do what you're doing, a ministry or a relational way of connecting to people, what really matters is how God sees you, what he says about you and how you see yourself and how you see God. And that's, that ties into that prophetic vision. Without vision, without seeing the way God sees, we just give ourselves to pleasure. We throw off all restraint. But when, when we get a revelation of the word, of the truth, when we come into an understanding of, wow, God is my father. He's more real than the air that I'm breathing right now. And he's here in the room. I can feel his presence right now as I begin to turn my attention. You feeling it? As, not everyone does this all at the same times, but sometimes when you start getting everyone to put their attention on the presence of God, you're like, ah, oh, I feel his weight. I didn't read the last part of that, but that previous verse, it said, when you get a revelation of the truth of the word, bliss will fill your soul. So much joy, so much fulfillment, so much satisfaction comes into your being when you get a revelation of how God sees you, what he says about you. Let's look at this. Things that have been handed over to me by my father, all things, excuse me, this is Jesus talking. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. Okay, so apparently when Jesus was walking the earth at this point, he's like, no one knows, you know, anything about the Father or me except for we know about each other. And now you're going to know about the Father through me because I'm going to make the Father known to you. To anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father to you. I am not a perfect dad. I make mistakes. Trust them when they tell you. No, no. Trust me. I'm just being honest. I am not perfect. Any of us dads in the room will tell you we've made mistakes. But we don't live with a record of all of our mistakes and bash ourselves over the head like an idiot, regretting all of our lives the things that we did wrong. That's not what our Heavenly Father does, so we shouldn't do that either. Jesus came to reveal Daddy God to you. He came to reveal the Father to you and me. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you can't get to know who the Father is, who your Creator is, 
what he thinks about you and, and how you understand him unless you come to Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He says, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus was trying to give them revelation. He wants you and I to have a revelation that his dad, his father God, who he has had an eternity of a relationship with, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uncreated, eternal in their relationship and connection together. Something we can't wrap our minds around because we haven't able to, been able to even grasp eternity for that part. He came to reveal God to us as Father, Father. This is, this is huge and it, this will have such a huge impact on how you live life, and how you walk your life out. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, creator God, to bring many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So it's talking about Jesus going to the cross. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers. I love this scripture because it challenges me. I have a hard time still thinking that Jesus looks at me like a brother. He's my God, he's my creator, he's the maker of the heavens and the earth. He became a human being, a perfect sinless human, fully God yet fully man, and went to a cross and took the sin, the penalty of all the sins of all the earth, all of creation, from Adam all the way to the last person born, and he took our sin upon himself on the cross. It's amazing. It's hard for me to say, and you're my brother. I want to fall down on my face before him and say, you are my king and I worship you. But he's not ashamed to call us brothers because he has vision for you. He sees you, not as you are right now. He sees you in your perfected state. He sees you seated with him right now in the heavenly realm, according to Ephesians 2. Let's move on. So this is part of Galatians. I'm going to read through this quickly. Paul rebuking the church because they were going back to works. He said, I, I mean that the heir, so this is you and I, we're heirs. We're heirs of God, right? We, we have inherited kingdom. We have been adopted into the family, so we are inheritors of something. I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different than a slave, though he's the owner of everything but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father, right? You don't tell a two-year-old about the inheritance of the family. You don't go over the will. You don't go over the estate and say, all of this is mine and yours because you're my son. No, it's a two-year-old. You don't, they don't understand it. They don't think of you or themselves as any different than the mailman coming up to the door, bringing a package or something like that. In the same way, we also, when we were children, we were enslaved by elementary principles to the world. But, just say but. <laughs> I don't know why I want to laugh now. When the fullness, just say fullness, 
fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, us, who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Not adoption as slaves or servants, adoption as sons. And because you are a son, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son. Just like a right, bam, right inside of you. Just when you said yes to Jesus, Holy Spirit came back right inside of you, birthed himself, causing you to be born again. Resurrection life. You are a new creature at that moment. Never experienced life on this earth before. Yeah, you did the day before, the moment before, but not the same person. When he came into your life, you became a new creature, a new creation. He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And then Paul finishes about, what, 10, 12 verses further down. My little children. He's like, not my teenage siblings in the Lord, but my little children. For whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. See, Paul wanted to see the church come into maturity. He wanted to see the manifestation of Jesus in the lives of every believer. And it's the same today. You and I, God is is dreaming over us, breathing over us, speaking over us, pulling you into this place of growing into knowing him and knowing who you are and how he sees you until Christ is formed in us, until we look like Jesus. Long hair, beard, and sandals. Just kidding. Here's the Ephesians 4 that I read earlier until we all uh, get to unity in the faith, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I think many of us already know these scriptures. Many of us have already grabbed hold of the revelation. Some of us haven't yet. Some of us are kind of in the middle there, kind of still trying to grab hold of it for themselves, for yourself. This is important. This is so important that we see it, that we renew our minds with this truth of who God says you and I are and who he is for us. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I've preached this scripture so many times. Do you remember me preaching this ever? This verse? Nope. That's okay. If you don't, if you don't, then I got liberty to just go for it. Okay. Goat's forehead. No, no goat's foreheads. The word right. This is John 1, 12. He gave you the right to become the children of God. That word right in the Greek is exousia. Just say it with some finesse. Exousia. Or you could say it the fun way. Exousia. It's actually exousia. But hey, you know, I like exousia. It just sounds like you're on a roller coaster or something. Exousia. That word right, when God gave you and I the right to become children of God, that word right is power, liberty. Yes, I know your name is Liberty, but we love to say your name in this place. So bless you, Liberty, for having a powerful name. 
It also means permission. You have been given permission, ability, authority, the power of government, a ruler, regal authority, a crown, hence the crown over Legacy City Church, because we have been given a mandate to awaken, to train and equip and awaken Christians, sons and daughters of God, into their royal identity. That is part of what we have been called to do. Because if people don't know who they are, they're going to wander around without vision, trying to do the right thing, but oftentimes living dissatisfied, trying to find happiness in other things outside of the church. When you can find full satisfaction, and I'm not saying you can't go to a movie or watch Netflix or have a, a drink of alcohol or whatever, go dancing, you know, that used to be a sin in the church back in those old days, whatever, you can still have fun. But if you don't know who you are, you're missing on a third of the kingdom, which is joy. I want, to, I want you guys to think about this. We're going to wrap it up in a second here because we're at the end. Why is it royal authority? What is it about royalty? Think about royalty. If you really knew or really believed that you were of a royal bloodline, you would believe that you have resources, you have authority over things, you have the ability to govern and to speak something and it has to be done because of who you are. God has placed royal authority on you and me. He's just waiting for you and I to wake up and realize who we actually are because of the new birth of the Spirit of God in you and me. You have been born into a royal family, a royal bloodline. You have been given the authority of Jesus, who is King of kings, Lord of lords. I'm going to wrap up with this. This is what fathers do for us. There's a, more to the list, but this is just three of the, the key things, especially when it comes to inner healing, sozo ministry. These are three important things that, that dads provide for children. We, we give our sons and daughters identity, protection, and provision. You and I experience transformation. We are transfigured. We are changed. When we renew our minds, when we get an understanding that the likeness of Jesus comes to us, through renewing our minds with truth. The more we train our thinking and renew the way we think about God and ourselves with truth, we will become transformed. Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us that. Romans 12, 2. Transformation. Be transformed by renewing the way you think. Rewire your mind. I know, it's late. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to skip this verse. Actually, I'm going to close in prayer with this, but this is what I want to do. Don't focus up there, guys. <clears throat> Just close your eyes. Close your eyes for a minute. I just want you to picture Father God in your own imagination, in your own understanding. Just picture God the Father. When you get a picture of what he looks like to you, just pay attention to how you view him, 
how you sense him or how you see him as Father God. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you sense? Sometimes people actually flinch or they, they crouch because they think they're going to get punished. Some people think he's far away from them and he looks distant and angry. Some people see him smiling. That's pretty awesome. So ask Father God this. Just say with me, Father God, is there any lie that I'm believing about you? If you didn't hear anything, that's okay. But if you heard a yes, or if you heard him tell you what that lie was, many people will hear him say, yeah, the lie that you're believing about me is that I really don't love you or that I don't like you. If you heard something that was a lie, just ask him now, Father God, where did I learn this lie? Now, right now, I'm just going to ask you to release forgiveness to anyone who taught you this lie or modeled this lie as truth. It could be a male authority figure in your life. It could be a pastor. It could be an uncle, a father. It could be a boss. It could be any male authority in your life. Just begin to release forgiveness. Just say, Father God, I choose to forgive them for revealing something of the Father, of Father God, that was a lie, that wasn't really a representation of who you are. Now, I just want you to ask God, what is the truth that he wants to give you in exchange for this lie? So just say, Father God, what is the truth? So if you've heard him tonight, if he told you what is the truth that he wants you to believe about him, let's just ask him tonight. Let's ask Father, let, let the truth settle into our spirit. Let, it tr let the truth settle into our deepest place in our heart. And God, we would ask you tonight that you would reveal that truth to us in the scriptures. Now, I want everyone together to pray this last thing. Father God, what do you think of me? Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to pray this prayer over us tonight if you want to stand. If you guys would. If you're soaking in what God is saying about you, then just keep soaking in it because I can hear a lot of stuff tonight. I'm not going to read or not read. I'm not going to declare over you guys what I was hearing, but I was hearing good things about everyone in this room because that's true about him. He's a good father and he believes the best in you and me. When everyone else might believe the worst, he always believes the best. So for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus' name.